human first, everything else after. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us, stories of working while human. I'm Lissa Mandel. What's Betwixt Us is a series of conversations about empathy at work, at work. It's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job, any job, and how empathy isn't just a nice-sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. On today's episode of What's Betwixt Us, I talk with life strategist and intuitive coach Jason Acosta. We take a deep dive into what it means to be an empath, especially as a leader. Jason shares how crisis moments in his life led him to breakthroughs about the importance of rigorous self-reflection and self-care and to his calling as an energy healer. With history in the hospitality industry, Jason brings first-hand wisdom about how empathy creates productivity and about how you don't manage everyone the same. He says, don't be afraid to get into the trenches. Please enjoy episode 34, Subconscious Made Conscious with Jason Acosta. Hello, What's Betwixt Us listeners. I am back with another amazing, very smiley guest and new friend. <laughs> he is a life strategist, a subconscious reprogramming and intuitive coach, uh, which is way up my alley. I am so delighted to introduce Jason Acosta. Hi, Jason. Hi, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's actually an exciting moment. Happiness just radiating out, radiating out of your face. I have to ask yeah. you, is that your default state? Are you a joyful um, person? Well, I am now, not so much throughout my life, but yeah, I just learned to enjoy every moment. Just being here to have this conversation with you, you know, I take present in every moment in every situation. So I'll you know, make the best of it. Yeah. So it, it's become my new default. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I, and I definitely think in my experience that the people who have struggled the most and come through it are the ones who are who have the most wisdom to share. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about your path to get here. And I, I would love to jump right into whatever you feel comfortable sharing in terms of what came before in your life that brought you to this place where now what you are doing is, is, is coaching others in life. Yeah. yeah I, I love that question because it really brings out my authenticity and what I want to share mm-hmm. because I am so dear dearly connected to my story and the lessons I've learned. My whole life, I've always known I've had this connection with people and all, everything around me. And I was very sensitive to it. So as I'm going into the workplaces and, you know, my friendships and families, you know, I really started to connect with my environments and adopted a lot of uh, great qualities about how the importance of empathy is. Because I'm highly empathic and, you know, going through my experiences in life and, you know, I have my home life, my relationships and my work. It's pretty much what everyone has mm-hmm. when they're going through experiences. And uh, each one of them has a fantastic story to tell. But how I've got to this point where I am now doing what I'm doing was going through those experiences, you know, relationships with family and learning a lot about other people. Because when I work or I'm in an environment or in my friends, you know, I really connect with them mm-hmm. and start asking them questions and understanding about their perceptions of, 
of their reality and what they're experiencing because it helps me as I, I guess a natural born leader, it helps me to create the environment I would like to be in. And naturally I'm, uh, I'm attracted to people who need healing. So I'd really go into um, how I can relate to their thoughts and their emotions and their experiences with other, other people. Mm-hmm. And that always built this uh, rapport with my team, with the staff and this trust and friends and family because it's actually someone who is really caring and listening to about their story and may offer some nuggets of wisdom from their experiences, which I always love doing. So going through early on my, my career, I was surrounded by great mentors that offered that experience as well, you know, empathy. The one thing I really love talking about as well is, is also the empathy, the contrast between empathy and narcissists in people's lifetime. You know, if we're talking about work, you know, you can have a leadership team or a management team that has, you know, uses tactical empathy or leads with empathy, or you have the ones that's the narcissistic traits where it's all about their agenda. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was very fortunate to be around a team of management to help me grow and ask questions about my life who are involved and actually really felt that they cared intuitively because that helped me through my work environment because no matter what anyone says, you know, you're coming from home, you have life challenges and you're going to a place of work where you want to feel safe to get away from those. And if you don't have that environment there, then you're going to have the same experiences at work. Mm-hmm. So being able to be around that environment uh, really taught me, you know, which direction I wanted to lead in my life because I also experienced the narcissistic side. And, uh, and, and that can be, you know, between those two combinations, is like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, well, I right? want to get I want to get a little more granular because you've said so many things already that I have like twenty questions from all okay. of them. You you led by saying that you're highly empathic, which is something that I resonate with. I also feel like being an empath has really come into the zeitgeist. You know, a lot of people describe themselves as an empath, and so I wonder. How did you begin to know that you were highly empathic? Do you feel like you were that way all along? Or do you feel like there was a point in your life where you woke up to that quality? Well, I didn't know about the term until maybe about 10 years ago. I knew about the word empathy, but I didn't really look into it. But I just naturally felt that way my whole life. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like it was a calling. It was just something very important for me to do, which led me to the mission that I'm doing now, helping people is you know going through the experiences i've been through and understanding how to manage my own empathy and emotions because it can be a blessing and a curse totally uh you know like like it can attract the person that you really think you want and they'll present themselves that way or a job that you want and they'll present it as what you really want but once you get into the mix of that it's just a recipe for disaster and things could explode and i've learned that through experiences in life through friendships relationships. I was always the type of person that liked to see everybody happy first. And that's another, I guess, curse for an empath, an empath mm-hmm. is um, putting other people's first and developing these traits of people pleasing, not even knowing that. And that's what I didn't know until someone called it out on me. Right. Well, it's, um, um, I mean, the, I just learned pretty recently that, you know, the fawn response is also a trauma response, right? Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And I definitely was fawning a lot in my life because I was, I was scared that I wouldn't be, you know, considered lovable or likable unless I was, you know, showing up in a certain way that other people wanted to see, right? Like 
creating my persona based on what I thought other people wanted to see, um, which is actually destructive to the self. So I wonder if you could talk about like, um, and as specific as you're willing to go with finding that balance between being an empathetic listener, like holding space for other people while also being really true to yourself and not giving away too much of yourself. Yeah, it's a great question and a very important one in my eyes is to practice self-care and self-love as an empath. If, you know, with the, doing the inner work and for myself is, is doing some inner healing because as empaths, we carry our own past traumas and energy of others. Mm -hmm. So it's important to clear that energy. But I get into mindfulness, meditation, breathing exercises, mm -hmm. ensuring I take care of my body, drinking lots of water, whole foods, unplugging from things that aren't aligned with what I really want. And giving myself some, my giving myself some compassion because I've always given advice to others. Right. As as that person, you know, take your own advice and start applying it. <laughs> and for years, I, I I was in that position where I wasn't even listening to my advice that I was giving others. I wasn't living it for so long, and that brought me out of alignment of what I really wanted to do and what I'm doing today. That's great. Take your own advice and start applying it. Yeah, and as I took my own advice and started to apply it and made it become a ritual of mine, you know, it started to give me the awareness of how much myself I was giving to the outside world. Mm -hmm. And, and then I was just how much I was taking on of other people's things. Mm -hmm. And my reality started to manifest on all these other things that didn't really matter. So, you know, talk about that self care practice and that self well, that turned into self love. And it allowed me to put up healthy boundaries in all my relationships, even my work and my career. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Being able, most people are afraid to speak their mind of to avoid confrontation or the perception of their environment or the reality of what they're experiencing. Right? So they put limitations on themselves. But coming from a place of healing and self, you know, self-care practices because you're putting yourself first. Mm -hmm. And and one of the key things that I do that's most important out of my day that I never let slip by is my activation hour. It's the first hour of the day that I, I focus on my, I do a 20 minute workout, 20 minute uh, med breathing, meditation, gratitude, and then I go into journaling. And those three things there set up my whole day energetically mm -hmm. to give me the energy to focus on my, my to-do list and to manage my, my home and my career. I have four kids, by the way, I'm a single dad. Um, oh yes. <laughs> right. And, and this is before my, my life was all over the place. I, like I, I couldn't even manage myself. Then I couldn't manage my work and my house. And so, but putting myself in that place where I'm taking care of myself, it was a game changer for me. Like that was, I could say is the first step for really understanding to manage the outside reality of, of managing your em empathy. Yeah, was there, was there, a, I mean, because that does sound really, really overwhelming. I mean, I, I am not married. I don't have children and I still feel quite overwhelmed on, on most days with just like getting my brain in the right place. I wonder, like, did you come to a, did you come to a breaking point? Was there a light bulb moment where you were like, oh, I need to put these things in place to help myself or did it develop naturally? Well, I've been studying this for years. So like I said, I've had all the knowledge, but I wasn't applying it. And that was because of my life circumstances. 2019, I got separated with my ex-partner, my ex-wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, and early into uh, 2020, I moved into my new place with my kids. 
and started from scratch, literally only had our personal belongings and, you know, very few things for the house, for the, the kitchen. And I had my full-time job and then Corona hits, yeah. coronavirus hits. So it's around March break. Kids are at home now full-time because they've, they've been sent home to do school. I'm now out of the office and uh, working from home, managing myself in quarantine with myself and four kids and all of its duties as a parent that it comes along with. Yeah. Did you have to play teacher as well? I did. So I'm now doing online learning for, mm -hmm. with them and logging on. So I, I was about to lose my mind. I could, I was, something had to give. Mm -hmm. And it was either my, my, my mind or I was just going to blow up in front of my kids mm -hmm. or I was going to lose my health. Something bad was going to happen to me mm -hmm. because the stress that I carried throughout my majority of my stories in my life and, you know, going through my transition of my marriage was, uh, was, was very overwhelming. And um, so something had to give. And um, I had this realization that, you know, although my job was very important, it's going to help me provide for my kids. But that's the one thing that I had to give up to take care of everything. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So you really had to take a leap. And so your career, so your career transitioned pretty recently then to what you're doing now. Well, yeah, I've always done coaching for, throughout the seven years, part-time, just on the side, just to, you know, to still do what I love doing. But yeah, I mean, as I left my job, I literally had, and had that weight of the world that thought my shoulders because all I had to focus on was myself and my kids at that moment. Mm -hmm. And that was the most important. So that's when I started to take my stuff seriously and gathering all the knowledge and experiences that I've had and put them down of what I need to do first and just started doing it and taking action every day because I knew if I didn't, one, I'm gonna be, still be exhausted. Mm -hmm. When I'm looking for new work, I'm gonna bring in that stress into the new work. Mm -hmm. I won't have a clear mind and ready to show up and be productive and to, to produce the results. So I start to take care of myself first. Yeah, right? and it really and, paid off, obviously really paid off. Yeah, and as the year played off, I was, you know, I had some limiting beliefs about myself and what I was doing and what I really wanted to do right now, mm -hmm. um, which I continue to work along as, as the year played out. And um, so I was applying for jobs and, you know, I had several interviews, interviews I turned down and, and interviews that got turned down on me, you know, but the thoughts of that transition when you're going through, okay, having a great paying job to support your family, to not having that, to, you know, being on unemployment mm -hmm. and trying to, grow whatever empire you're trying to rebuild your life yeah. after divorce so when i'd send out my resume i'd always have these negative thoughts about okay you know they haven't replied back to me and then you know maybe i'm not good enough i have my resume what didn't stand out enough and then you know it just created more of that stress mm -hmm. so it was probably like the end of summer where i said you know what last year i said i'm gonna follow my passion of what i really wanted to do i'm jumping all in Mm -hmm. And I just started focusing and building them. And then I started getting clients and then I got another client and I got another client, started referring. And then I was like, oh my God, okay. So yes, it started to uh, build that trust that I have in myself. You know, as, as empaths, you know, you lose that trust in yourself because you, you just, you're so dis disconnected because of carrying on so many other people's challenges mm -hmm. and you don't know how it feels to really just focus on yourself. Mm -hmm. But once you fall into that self-love, care practice you really build that trust with you yourself and that confidence because you're born with confidence 
mm-hmm. right? It's naturally in you. You don't lose it. And when you go through the fire, like when I told you a brief story of my past, yeah. which are many more, you know, that's where I remembered, okay, I've got over this. I've got over that. I'm definitely getting over this. And now I'm going all in with my passion. Yeah. it's. I mean, it sounds like, you know, going through the fire is what gives you the proof that you need that you're strong enough to go through any other fire, you know? Yes. And the more fires you go through, the stronger you are. I would love for you to talk a little bit more specifically about what, what you do. I want, I want to hear about specifically the subconscious reprogramming selfishly. Yes. I've done a lot of like self-study on that kind of thing too. And I wonder if you could talk about that, like maybe divulge some specific tools that you work with yourself and your clients to retrain the brain. What is that all about? Yeah. Great question. So one of the many things that I do is uh, I practice uh, healing with energy. You know, being an empath, there's many healers out there that use modalities to heal themselves and heal others. So I've always been into Reiki, you know, maybe about 15, 20 years ago. And that just evolved in more awareness because it became more in tune to myself. And that journey led me into emotional freedom tapping. tapping. Yes, EFT. Yes. You know, that's such a great, effective tool to add into your arsenal, which I use with my clients. The the one that's been the most effective in transforming in my life has been using the accelerated release technique. This is something where my Reiki master and my natural path dietitian um, that I use for my family created this modality together. And it's where it's like muscle testing or biofeedback and where you connect to the subconscious mind using intuitive questions with a pendulum. So there'd be, uh, you know, with yes or no questions, it's almost like sway testing, muscle testing, there's other ways to get answers. And uh, I intuitively guide the session to what needs to be drawn up first. Mm. So uh, it really, you know, puts the onion on the cutting board and starts pulling back the layers. Yeah. Um, um, So I'm saying yes, 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 because I understand this language completely, but supposing someone's listening to this somebody who has like a, you know, a corporate background, they're not very attuned to energy healing. They don't know about the woo, you know, which is like the life that I love. So (laughs) can you just briefly explain like what EFT is for, so that people who might not otherwise go looking for it might go looking for it. It's EFT is, is where you're tapping on certain meridian points in your body Mm -hmm. that uh, connect to the subconscious. So you're talking about, the limiting beliefs and your anchoring in positive beliefs mm-hmm. and that it's safe to let these things go. So you're having this dialogue with yourself and the pressure on tapping on certain points um, of your head, your eyebrows, mm-hmm. you know, underneath the cheek and on here, underneath there, your mm-hmm. arms. And um, it, it just like acupuncture in the body, it triggers the healing response mm-hmm. into these, into these areas of the subconscious that need to be transformed because there's many people that are that just can't let go of past traumas. Right. But the more frequently they work on these techniques can shift and change their limiting beliefs around their current situation. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about the corporate world, mm-hmm. you know, for an example, for me, I always was terrified to stand up in front of the executive boardroom and, and talk about my numbers to the group. Mm-hmm. And that was because of limiting beliefs that I wasn't aware of. And it always shut down my confidence, even though I knew what I was doing, it shut down my confidence to confidence to deliver my report or my, 
my analytics the way I wanted to because you know you know you have to be fully transparent when you're when you're presenting numbers because that's the environment that needs to happen in order to identify any challenges so yeah I think you know if that explains that enough I think it just yeah. brings more awareness to your limiting beliefs or the stresses mm-hmm. that you have going on in life and that you can consciously you know change that I was a person who grew up like living from the neck up basically like very academic academic parents like valedictorian of my high school I'm gonna think my way through everything you know and but I was really unhappy and I didn't realize how disconnected I was until I started doing some some somatic work some some body related work and I was just so it felt counterintuitive to me to go into my body to to focus on my body in order to have like mental epiphanies or emotional epiphanies but they are deeply connected it's just that society you know historically has kept them separate so and actually this fall uh, in October, I'm about to start a two-year program to become a somatic movement therapist because I super awesome. believe in this stuff. And <laughs> yeah, it's the, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of wild because you're like, what, I don't understand what it could do. Like if I'm not thinking, how can I solve a problem? But it actually is like, sometimes the mind gets in the way of solving the problem, right? I wonder like when you go, when you work with clients in all kinds of industries, you know, corporate or otherwise, like do you get pushback from them when they, when they don't understand? Do you, or, or like, I love to hear about the satisfying moments of like breakthroughs that people have when they have like never considered this way of doing things before. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had several of those and, 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 and the great part about doing that technique or the strategies you're using is, is you're bringing things up that they completely forgot about Mm -hmm. or they're unaware about. Mm-hmm. And then they can start to realize that, oh, my God, this has been a pattern since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And it's almost they start to reviewing back mentally their story of their life and giving themselves, ah. And all of a sudden they have these epiphanies moments that come to their mind about their relationships or why they're having challenges in their health. Mm-hmm. And starting to realize that this stress is, is causing chronic fatigue or pain in their life. All right. Yeah. And when you, it's creating that awareness because what you said earlier about the mind and the and, uh, and and the body connection, it's like the mind and the gut, they go hand in hand. What you put inside there will be your output in your brain and how you're thinking, mm-hmm. right? So being mindful of, you know, you know, the lifestyle you're choosing to nourish your body. But those breakthroughs that come through is, is one recently is my client just called me and told me, she's like, uh, I use one of your strategies and techniques because once you give them the awareness and give them the strategy and techniques to have dialogue with maybe uh, in this person, it was her elderly parents who she's taking care of, but she's taking care of the world by herself. She's a, you know, she's a divorced parent and moved into taking care of her parents, but seeing her going through the awareness of how she's always giving so much of herself and not being able to uh, set up boundaries mm-hmm. to going to a place where, Hey mom, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. Can you do that for me? Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah, sure. No problem. And to, she's and blown, her mind was just blown away by how easy that was, but how she asked her mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and how much, uh, freedom or space it's given her in her mind to, Oh my God, I'm going to go for a walk now. I'm going to go do something for myself. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's so much to be said for specifically that word space, space inside of yourself. I remember when, um, the first time I read an Eckhart Tolle book, uh, I read A New Earth before I read The Power of Now, but they're both, you know, incredible. And yes. uh, and 
And he, one of the things he recommends is to imagine creating space in yourself around whatever the difficult feeling is or around whatever the conflict is, just to, just to create space around it. And that blew my mind because I think the big, a big, a big cause of stress in our society now, because we're always going and there are a million things in the to-do list and the world is moving so fast. It's like, I don't have space. There is no space, but, but there really is. And once you create that space, even like, I like to visualize like a bubble inside of me with like a whole lot of space around whatever <laughs> the emotion is, you know, we have it, that like opens up so many more options that we otherwise didn't think of. You know what I mean? Does this make sense? Absolutely. Not just personally, but also within the workplace, mm -hmm. right? Imagine you're going into the workplace with a new mindset and you're putting up boundaries there because you're self-aware of, you know, whether you're being taken advantage or allowing yourself being taken uh, advantage of mm -hmm. and you're not speaking your truth. Mm -hmm. Those can create moments and opportunities and give you space there where you can now feel confident that, oh my God, okay, I'm contributing here at work. I feel valued and I'm still learning and growing. And this is a process. Yeah, I think that the, I think that the the hesitation that people have to put up to to put up healthy boundaries at work, you know, comes from this sense of fear of like, oh, I'll get in trouble or I'll lose my job, you know, if I if I am firm about what I need or you know ask a question when I don't understand. And I feel like, and let me know if you agree, I feel like the new world that is coming out of this COVID experience is empowering so many more employees to to set those boundaries because because people are realizing their own power you know what i mean and that and that actually setting boundaries frees you to do better work as opposed to limiting you yes yes absolutely i, I think that um you know having that that intel emotional intelligence mm -hmm. because i think as what happens is your awareness grows your emotional intelligence grows and be able to manage yourself in that circle or that bubble that you create. I have a moment where I actually, when I'm feeling a certain way that's making me feel uh, a lack of courage or want to eat poorly, you know, I pause and reflect in that moment and just, and just sit with those feelings and those emotions. What are they? And if it's, um, if, if it's me wanting to go eat something I don't want to eat, then it's because I'm probably feeling lonely, yeah. right? And I'm being pulled to feel something. So, you know, um, I remind myself I'm not alone. I have family around supporting me. I have my kids here that we have a loving and, and playful relationship with, you know, and I have a supporting team and an environment through my tribe of circle of friends, mm -hmm. right? And going through that process is just, it, okay, yeah, it's like the energy shifts, that feeling of uncertainty, you know, starts to shift and you can move on and start heading towards your goals without having these uh, things try to pull you back because I feel that as you're growing you're going to have the universe trying to pull you back into your old ways because they're very comfortable for you mm -hmm. yeah that is that is definitely the hardest the hardest part and I I think I've talked on the podcast before about this book the power of habit by Charles Duhigg where he talks about you know it takes 30 days or 45 days to form a new habit because yeah we're so used to the pathways that are there yeah. but in what you said with like you know, creating a mindfulness gap, you know, between impulse and response also has to do with creating space. It's like a space of time between, oh, I really want to go eat some fried chicken 
hold on, let me pause. Let me just pause before I do that and dig into why it, and it ends up paying off taking that extra beat to be mindful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that can very be very helpful when you're having a conversation with your boss or in your relationships, mm -hmm. because most of the times we don't see the same reality as everybody else. Everyone has their own perception of it. So as someone's, you know, may come at you or may, you may feel that they're coming at you, that could trigger you to either react or respond. So and in, in that case, if you're reacting, it could create more conflict and could put you on the red flag list or just create more challenges in your relationship because you're really not serving the situation when you're coming of a reactive mode, because that's, that's something personal, mm -hmm. right? That has nothing to do with the, the logical moment. So identifying that and pausing and reflecting, like pressing pause in the story of your life and you're like, mm. Mm, think to yourself, is this the scene how I want it to play out? Because I believe we are our own directors and producers of our own movie and our own life. And you can truly choose how you want each scene to play out. I've done this and my clients have done this, right? And, and it doesn't have to be so familiar to, you know, avoiding that confrontation or having that difficult conversation about getting a raise because you value your worth. They may not see it or show it, or you don't understand the story in the other end, but there's no harm in just opening up and asking questions. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it always reminds me of my, one of my professors in college, stage management professor who I actually, she was one of the first people I had on the podcast because she is my hero, Barbara Butts. But she would Absolutely. say like, when in doubt, have the conversation, just have the conversation. And Absolutely. it's such a, I mean, it seems so simple, but I think people don't even realize when they're sitting on, you know, resentment or fear that is totally unnecessary. If you just say it out loud, it, it might actually be much easier than you think. Of course, you're letting it out. Yeah. You know, holding that, holding that all in is just going to stop you yeah. or it's going to draw more of that feeling mm -hmm. that you don't want. Mm -hmm. You see the, the working with a subconscious mind, you know, it, it your, your mind tells you what you think you, you want, mm -hmm. but you're supposed to tell your mind what you want. Mm -hmm. So in those moments where you catch yourself, you know, in that pause, mm -hmm. you know, is this what I really want? Mm -hmm. No. Having that courageous dialogue with yourself. That's and so great. Yes. Because the mind, the subconscious mind is trying to keep you safe in all ways. And if you're conditioned a certain way in a pattern of how you feel and act and, and think within your environments, well, your, your subconscious mind, which runs the majority of our, our programs, is going to keep you there or draw things that are going to keep pulling you back to that same experience. Right, 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 now, right. And when you're aware of that, okay, now I can have that conscious moment and say, no, I know when I act this way or react or or if I don't respond or say something, it's just going to be the same old thing. Mm -hmm. And that was a theme in my life where I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired because there was always something going on in my work and my personal life. I had th two restaurants, a doggy spa and a catering company and coaching oh business <laughs> over the, over the years. And yes. And worked in and out of the corporate uh, uh, environment as well. So I, I, I understand both lanes yeah. and they all come with the same challenges and the same, you know, and, and I think what's so important as, you know, a business owner is the environment you create for your staff yes. and, or as, you know, a company or a corporation, you know, is the environment the leaders create for the, you know, their team, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I don't look as people as, you know, one above the other. We're all a team. We just play different roles. I didn't realize that you had a past like in 
you know, not only corporate, but also hospitality and retail. And I would love your take on like empathy in those different environments and like how, because they're, they are so different. Like I, I served tables for nine years and I, I considered myself an empathy professional, right? Because it was all about <laughs> listening to other people and, and, and anticipating their needs. And I wonder if you could speak to your experience of empathy in those different industries. Yeah, for sure. Well, I started off in the rest hospitality industry uh, for eight, nine years. And that's where I'd say I got my career college out of how to run an operations or a business sure. before I open up mine. And like you said, you're always hearing other people's stories as a server. You're connecting with people, you know, they're, you know, they're talking about their experiences, asking your thoughts, are you just engaging with them? So you get to feel other people's experiences and stories because you're listening and asking questions in that same environment with the you know, the management team, you know, they always ask questions. So I adopted those behaviors moving into my own business. Mm -hmm. And so I was very grateful to have those, uh, that management team and mentors of mine, which are still great friends of mine to this day. And I started to just naturally be that person with, in my own business, you know, I would hire my team and, you know, I'd always do whatever I can to smile and to, you know, if they're new, remember their name and say, how do you say your name again? Just play something playful with them. So they're making them feel comfortable. Yeah. Because some employees, especially the younger ones, could feel intimidated by the by the owner or sort of by the boss, the leadership team, so they can't feel like they're being themselves. And then I'll just sit back and observe. I'll just watch and listen to everybody. I'll listen to that group conversation when there's downtime because you know I, you know my my staff, my team, they worked extremely hard. So I I let them have their 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 freedom in a way to extend to how they want to operate in the business as well. You know, we follow the systems, but allow them to be themselves because I know they worked hard. And that's one of the things that the benefits of, you know, listening to the people, understanding them, asking them questions, getting to know their values, their core values of who they are mm -hmm. and understanding the, the stories and challenges that they've been through in life or what they are currently going through in life. Mm -hmm. Because that really helped me how to manage everybody because you don't manage everybody the same. You don't lead everybody the same. You lead them all differently. Right. And, and when you do that, that's the risk, the recipe for success, because you're leading on what works for that person and you're building trust, you're building rapport with them. You're sharing, you're being vulnerable and sharing your story. So like, wow, this guy's relatable. He's, you know, he's been through it too. Exactly. And, and I didn't, I wasn't afraid to get into the trenches because I started in the hospitality as a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. So I would always be helping out with my staff doing dishes and the heavy ones too, the pot scrubbing out, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind getting myself in every single role. And I'd work side by side with them because I don't ever, I never wanted to lose that thought one for myself or what it felt like not to be in that role because I was there. And two, I know how it feels with them working in that position for so long and hot and sweaty and they're, they're tired, especially being downtown by the uh, Roger center, mm -hmm. you know, having all these blue Jay uh, traffic, just the restroom pack up within minutes trying yeah. to serve all of this. So it was very frustrating and at times, but also stressful, but it became playful and fun because we work together. So the productivity and outcome of having empathy and, you know, in my workplace as, yeah. as leading my team, you know, it, it, I had a, a, an all-star team for years. My turnover uh, was very low. It would only be seasonal when people going back to school, but my core people would stay there for years. And still to this day, I have lasting lifelong friendships with them. That says so. everything. And I, I just, 
I think it's so novel. I mean, it makes so much sense, obviously, to me that that empathy actually creates productivity. It doesn't take away from it. But I think in the hospitality industry, it can be so unhealthy and so cutthroat. And it's it's just not really monitored in the way that other industries are. So it gets away with all kinds of terrible behavior. And, you know, one of the first restaurants I ever worked in was part of a restaurant group that was, I'm not going to name it because I'm scared of them. And <laughs> lawsuits of which I know they have many but it was a it was a group that mostly ran nightclubs before it ran restaurants and it was just corrupt all the way through and if that trickles down but there's just and you know there are like stereotypes about restaurant owners or chefs just being not very nice people and it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be that way so uh, I love that I love that you discovered that. And if you were still running a restaurant now, I would totally come be on your team. <laughs> you know, a blast. Do you find that things that you learned in hospitality translate to, to corporate? Like when you're, or do you have to speak to corporate clients like in a completely different way, in a completely different language? Well, when you're dealing with the executive team, there is a type of language used when you're having dialogue and around certain discussions. Sure. I've always shown up as authentic as I can and would, spoke and would speak from my heart. Mm -hmm. So I never tried to put on another image for right. of somebody who I wasn't. And that worked for me because at the end of the day, I think you know, at the round table, everybody knows we're all human beings and we all have our own personality mm -hmm. and are all at, at our own levels of evolution and growth within our careers. So that's also helped me, you know, going back into the corporate environment after selling my restaurants after 12 years and leading a team of general managers in a franchise or corporate company, hospitality, you know, you start to lead your team that way. I was able to, you know, through the most challenging times of uh, massive growth within the company, we're still to maintain a level of, of happiness and joyfulness, even through when the, the massive changes were happening and growth was going on, because as you grow, within a business, there's certain side of tensions and stresses. And if you don't have the support and manpower to sustain that growth, mm -hmm. somebody's taking on that responsibility. Right. All the way down to the frontline workers mm -hmm. are dealing with the customers every single day. That's, and, and that's something where, and everything that I do is always putting myself when I'm speaking to someone in their shoes or which role they're playing in at that moment. Mm -hmm. That helps me have dialogue with people as well, too. Yeah. And, uh, and I had great leaders that actually, you know, taught me, you know, those ways because they used those strategies with me and made me feel comfortable talking about it and made it easier for me to ask for help when needed. Yeah, right? I mean, that's everything. But having, having someone set an example for you is mm -hmm. everything. To know that somebody can be in a place of leadership and be a good listener and a nice person and have time and space for the people working under them makes you want to do it too. It's true. It, it's you, contagious. It is contagious. It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. Do you do coaching one-on-one -on -one and with groups or is it more one than the other? Currently right now it's one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm happy to announce in the fall, I'll be launching my group to one to many people. So I'll be doing group, group coaching. Awesome. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So the one-to-one -one coaching right now is, is, has deals with many different uh, challenges in people's lives, but my program is specifically where I help divorced parents move beyond a toxic 
relationship to create a life they stopped believing was possible. Oh so that's, what, yeah, so it's really life after divorce or evolve your life after divorce because that's very close to me right now. And uh, I've overcome my challenges within months and was able to start and grow a business within less than a year. So now I want to share what I've been through and the strategies that I've learned to help people transform their lives and rebuild their lives in the way that they've always envisioned it before their marriage, right? Everyone has challenges and they've had this certain image of what their marriage would look like happily ever after. Right. Uh, and as you go through the strategies we talked about earlier, self-care, self-love and setting up boundaries, then you're really setting yourself up for success. There's, there's nothing else to focus on other than your dreams. Wow. I, oh man, I wish I had, I wish I had led with this. I mean, I think that's so specific and so amazing and so needed to, and, and what a great, what a great specific niche that is, uh, especially because I feel like we are in this era now where so many people are realizing that their independence is more important than this like archaic, like codependent ideal of, oh, I have to be in this kind of partnership forever or I'm a failure. When that's, that's, that's not the case at all. I know so many people are choosing not to be in a partnership so they can have that freedom and independence. So it, I really feel yeah. like you're leading the charge on a whole new frontier. I am, I am. And, I, and it's, it's because one of the biggest lessons I've learned was I was how I was such a determined giver to everybody else that I took everything off of myself. And I swore to myself, last year that all I was going to focus on was three things. It's going to work on myself, my kids and my career. Okay. So myself was getting to my routines and rituals and habits and, and applying the strategies. My kids was being playful for them, being present with them, being attentive to them, spending one-on-one -on -one time with them, managing them through their emotions, through the trauma of, you know, of divorce okay. and their life experiences. Cause nobody wants to see their, their kids go through anything else that they've been through in their life. And that's why I'm so passionate about my newfound mission right now is because I believe that a healed parent is gonna help heal the world because our children are the future. And if they don't have to go through what we went through, I mean, it doesn't have to be so heavy because I believe we're all here no matter you know, who you are, we're all here to learn and evolve. Mm -hmm. But we can make a world a much better place when you start working and healing on yourself. Yeah, I mean- For your kids. Absolutely. I, I'm. You know, they talk about, they talk about my generation. I was born in 82 and they talk about my generation as being the therapy generation, which I definitely am a part of. Like I've been in therapy pretty much my whole life. I, I love it. I think it's so important. I want to learn about how my brain works so I can be better to others. But I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see like after people like you are in the world doing this work, if like the, the future generations of children and thus adults will be just have a healthier outlook will be healthier around their trauma won't have so much repressed stuff and that will make everything run more smoothly yeah absolutely i mean you do the healing you change the environment to the way you see fit mm -hmm. right like we're talking about your subconscious mind imprints all like 1100 uh imprints every second mm -hmm. and it's hearing and recording everything so if you want to have this life of abundance in all areas, well then start creating it. Start shifting your environment into what it was with pictures, audios, images, you know, your tribe, your circle of friends, your family, and you know, getting involved with people who are supporting you and uplifting you and want to see you do well. 
when oh, you're, absolutely. I mean, when you're, yeah, because yeah, when you're in a group of environments where it's gossip and talking about the news or what TV show was happening or this baseball team, like you're really missing what's really happening. Like, I'm sure I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if that's all you're talking about in your environment, well, then you might wonder why you're not achieving your goals or keep experiencing the same things because you're not cha consciously changing your environment. Yeah. And it makes such a huge difference. Like, uh, I don't now I don't remember who there was a workshop I took where they were talking about you basically are your inner life is, is, is a composite of like the five people who are closest to you in your life. So if you don't like how you feel on the inside then change who you choose to associate with on the outside, because it, yeah. we, we, it seems like we're all separate beings, but really we're all so porous and we're all so connected. So you will absorb the energy of the people around you. Again, something that sounds really woo, but now I think that lots of mainstream people in the mainstream are talking about it, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And, and there's more groups out there that are involved in corporate healing. And I was able to connect to a group of people as well. And it's, uh, it's so necessary, especially what's been all the, the, this given time that's been happening, changing all of our lives. Yeah. Because I think the bigger issue in this external pandemic is the pandemic that's going on in, in our internal world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so as, as people become aware of, okay, well, let's focus on, you know, I call your four empires, your four centers, as many names to it, like your, your mind, your heart, your health, and your soul. And you focus on those three. And that's part of my activation hour first thing every day is I'm focusing on those things every day first. Mm. That allows me to set up my day to be the greatest version of myself mm -hmm. and help me manage around situations and challenges and respond to them rather than reacting to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So it's really consciously creating your own reality the way you want to see fit. Once you let those thoughts go of you know, the limiting beliefs or the insecurities, or I'm not good enough, you know, they're not going to hire me, whatever it may be, you know, you start changing those thoughts, you start to see shifts in your life mm -hmm. and then realize that, oh my God, things are happening for me now, not against me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I think that we're in this really unique transitional time, like on a global scale of moving from a, a species that felt like things happened to us to now coming into a sense of agency. We don't just have to wait for things to happen to us, that we can make a choice and put steps in place to change things the way we want. I feel like that's relatively new in our evolution of consciousness. Yeah, yeah. And I think it has something to do with, at least from myself, was going back to that phrase, sick and tired of being sick and tired, yeah. and realizing that the only change that's gonna happen in my life is if I make the change. Absolutely. And once I started making change, you know, with my relationship and, you know, my job, my life started to shift and change rapidly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I lived in that other world for decades. We're told that that's the only way that there is. Right? You know? Yeah, we're conditioned that way. Yeah. Our yeah. environments, our, our role models, our parents, our teachers, you know, the social conditions around us. It's what shapes up who we really are. And that's why most people feel lost is because they don't know who they really are and helping, you know, right now with my, my clients is helping them rediscover their identity. Mm -hmm. So now they've realigned with their health or join their purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So they can, I, right? yeah. I think so much, so, so often we're taught like, Oh, well, 
you know, our, our parents or our elders say, oh, well, we've always done it this way. You know, this is the way it works. And it's so easy to fall into that place of, oh, I better just listen and do it the way that it works for them. But like the world is different now from how it yes. was when we were my age. So the way that it worked for them is not the way that it's going to work for me. And it's really scary to step forward into that because it means it's totally new territory. But, yes. you know, kind of like when people, when people take the Bible super literally or the constitution super literally, as opposed to seeing them as like, you know, parables or like mythology or, you know, guideposts. It's like, okay, but we don't live in a world where people are like, you know, slaughtering animals and like, it's just not, it's not the same world. So we have to act in new ways to match up with the world that we live in, you know? Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, I, I think that's so great and beautifully said. And being aligned with yourself, you know, you're really going to start to attract the reality that you really want to see. Because we're so stuck into this, this pattern of life and dealing with things and it all just becomes normal to us. And the pain almost becomes addicting yeah. because we're so used to it. Definitely. And as, as we become more aware of that, then you realize, oh my God, you're just falling victim of self-sabotage. And, and then that's another you know, area in, in our lives where you know, we end up calling victim on ourselves, but yet we're just, we're just creating our own mess. And if we only just saw through the clouds and the fogginess, we'd be able to see that path clearly. And, and for me, that's what's been the most paramount transition to achieve my goals within less than a year to have my emotional intelligence gone from completely depressed to now helping people overcome depression and to have the most energy that I've ever had. Like I'm, I'm 18, 19, 20 years old again. That's amazing. So, so the, the combination of the whole balance of self is so important on the output that you're going to produce in your outer world. And the, the outer world is just a reflection of your inner world, like I said. But you can, you, can, you can navigate through the challenges. You don't have to have these situations or people come at you and throw you off. Because when you're conscious about that, you're knowing that, you know, the universe is going to test you and try to throw you off. So, and that's where you pause and reflect and that moment comes. You know, you're, you have your private circle bubble around you, protecting you. Mm -hmm. And now you can make that conscious decision of how you want to move forward. Mm -hmm. and, and, and yeah, just that alone has been, I'd say, the, the key shift for me and, and, and how uh, my, not my mindset, but, you know, how I portray myself to be. Am I going to be this person that was going through that lifestyle or I'm going to this new person who is vibrant and is healthy and is full of energy and is radiating all this to the world and helping heal them from the past traumas is really where I feel that collectively we're going to start creating the peaceful world that we really want, yeah. where, you know, those parables and fables and, and things from the Bible that actually, I, I believe that they're there to teach you something one way, shape or form sure. within yourself or how to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you imply it, it just really becomes a magical place. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same. I feel optimistic about it you know at the same time as we see so much of the world you know going through tremendous shifts and, and a lot of like death around us like spiritual death and like climate death and all of these things I am actually really really hopeful because I feel so many people waking up to this that you're talking about yeah 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 you're, you're right and the people are waking up and I think that most of us can say that over the last year and a half, we've actually had some time to reflect on our lives mm 
and start to see where we could improve and let things go um, because you know it's taken a toll on everybody and people are now speaking the truth and following into their passions which i think is such a beautiful thing mm-hmm. you know this experience has been very tragic in so many ways but it's been also on the flip side it's been so beautiful because people are doing beautiful things out there to help transition uh, this transition that we're all going through. Absolutely. I mean, I just, I, I just saw a post, a friend of mine posted on Facebook yesterday that she's decided after 15 years of living in New York as an executive assistant at a hedge fund, she's moving to a tiny village in Andalusia, <laughs> Spain to teach English. And wow. she's 42. And she's like, I'm so scared, but I'm so excited for this brand new life. And I, I've seen so many things like that. And it's it's amazing. I think that the pandemic has pushed people to really question yeah. what am I doing, you know? Yeah, I love that. She's going to do so well because you can, just by you sharing that, I, I felt that that uh, leap of faith she took in herself because she was answering her calling. Yeah, I got so envious when I uh, saw it. Oh my gosh, I got so <laughs> emotional. Uh, yes. I mean, the thing is that like, I think I've been living that sort of risk taking life for a long time. I haven't been on a, a quote unquote normal path just cause like I'm, I'm an actor and an artist and we don't have awesome. normal paths, but I still see everybody around me like breaking free and taking these leaps. And I'm like, Ooh, I want to take another leap. What crazy thing am I going to do next? Right, right. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting time right now. Yeah. I'm very pumped up and that's probably why I have this perma smile on my face yeah. on, de- on default because there's that for me I've, there's never been a better time to experience life than right now mm-hmm. from all what I've been through from my experience and having through what I've been through the last year and a half and putting that COVID situation on top that's just giving me everything I needed to know to where I wanted to go mm-hmm. and yeah. I just made that decision and went with it amazing Amazing. It's so empowering to make a decision and go with it. And it's, yes. it's hard, but it's very empowering. Well, Jason, I, at the end of all of these podcasts, I like to ask my guests a question from the Zany uh, database. So like Zany is the product, obviously, that is the umbrella over this podcast and yes. it's a conversation starter. And so I just randomly selected a question for you uh, that has nothing to do with this conversation. Maybe something. Okay. This. Okay. Your house is on fire. Assume all living beings are safe. What's the one material object you must save and why? One material object that I must say and why? And it has to be one because if everyone's safe, that's all that matters. Oh, that's a trick question. <laughs> yes, everyone is safe. And you don't have to choose anything, but. Well, because I'm so relatable about starting over from scratch. Yeah. I'm okay with just. You know, as long as everyone's safe and what we have on us, that's all I'll need. All right. That's I, I, yeah, because I, I've been through a lot and pictures and personal things come and go. I've, I've made a lot of money, lost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It, it's not, it's just energy and, uh, yes. and, and I can create a new life because I've always done it. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that we are the creators of our own reality. We have the ability to heal ourselves, our mind, our body, our heart and our soul. And I know that things work for me and I trust my decisions. I trust my gut, my emotion, my intuitive instincts that whatever I decide to do or what's most important is what I need to do. So other than probably my keys <laughs> to take <laughs> my car, I don't think there's anything else that I would need. I have maybe some clothes to go, but along with, but one thing, I'd say my keys. 
Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, tell me, tell me, tell the people where they can find out more about you or if they want to um, work with you or learn about what you do. Yeah, the best way right now is to connect with me on Facebook, uh, Jason Acosta. I am on LinkedIn. I have two profiles there, but I'm trying to merge into one, but I'm not actively there on Instagram as well. More importantly, coming soon would be on my website, which is easy to remember, is my name, jasonacosta.ca. Also, another domain that I'll have is evolveyourlife.com. Oh, nice. I like that. Yes. That was a good, are, good catch. Yeah, those are all in progress. So, okay. yeah. Awesome. Well, Jason, it's been such a delight talking to you. Oh, I'm so grateful for you having me. Thank you so much. I yeah. really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure this won't be the last time. Thanks for tuning in to episode 34 of What's Betwixt Us, Stories of Working While Human. To learn more about Jason, find him on Facebook, where you can check out other interviews he's done with impactful people around the world. What's Betwixt Us is powered by Zany, designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces. More at zanie.app. Human first, everything else after. Human first, everything else after.